Thank you, Diane. Our reading this morning is Luke 10, 1 to 24, and it's on page uh, 1041 of the Church Bibles. Jesus sends out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal those who are ill and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. This is the word of the Lord. 
Lord Jesus, we pray, we pray for Steve. We thank you for his leadership. Lord, we ask that you'd guide him over the coming days and weeks. Please anoint him afresh now by your spirit and give us listening ears and hearts as, we, as he brings your word to us. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, Priscilla. Good morning. Good to see the Dunkirk spirit is alive and well in the 9 a.m. congregation. We're in a series leading up to Easter, which is looking at the journey of Jesus to Jerusalem. In chapter 9 of Luke's gospel, he prophesied that he would go to Jerusalem and suffer. And then in verse 51 of that chapter, he sets out deliberately to go to Jerusalem as his time approached to be taken up to heaven, Luke says. And so these instructions to his disciples are in the context of moving towards the cross and towards resurrection. And I think that they speak to us today very clearly, particularly in the context of our weekend away, where God spoke to us so clearly about mission. And I think that there are some very practical uh, helps in this passage, which I hope will be of use to you. Jesus is growing his team. In chapter 9, he sent out 12. Here, he's sending out 72, or is it 70? If it's 72, well, that's uh, a multiple of 12. So that shows multiplication. If it's 70, 70 was a, quite a, a significant number for the Jewish people. It was the number of Gentile nations. So in other words, there's one to every nation. Uh, it was the number of elders that Moses had, the number of men in the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council. But the point is this, that if we are to fulfill our mission, we have to multiply workers. And I just want to make some very simple uh, comments about this passage, but I, I hope that they will be practical as we think about mission. So the first is this. The harvest is plentiful. This is what Jesus said to his uh, disciples. It's what he says to us. But is it true? Is that how it feels? When you look out on society, do you think, yes, there are thousands of people just waiting to find out about Jesus? Very often it doesn't feel like that, does it? During this past week, uh, we, I had an opportunity to just spend an hour prayer walking around the city. And this was my question. Lord, really, really, is the harvest plentiful? Show me. I went down to Hockley. Hockley, I think, uh, is the epitome of the kind of, of where the culture is at the moment. And it, it's very much about, you know, you can be who you want, you, you express yourself and uh, you form your identity and who's, who's out there to tell you what you should do. And I went into the Broadway cinema and on the wall there are some little cards where people put reviews of films. And one really struck me, and someone had written this. By the end I was shaking... I'm still shaking, immensely powerful, serenely sensual, and beautifully touching. Indeed, it did touch my soul, or maybe I just need a hug. That card spoke to me, because I think that says where the culture is at. I want my soul to be touched. 
and I need a hug. And I think in that context, the harvest is plentiful for souls to be touched and for people to experience love. Secondly, Jesus uh, says, talks about the harvest as being both hard work and joy. He says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out holiday makers. No, to send out workers into the harvest. Harvest is hard work. And if any of you have had any experience of, on a farm and joined in with the far, harvest, you will know it is really hard work. But it is also joyful. I think that uh, since the 1980s, when John Finney did his research on how people were coming to faith, we have accepted that most people come to faith through a personal relationship, through a friend or a family member. That's normally the link. But I think that many of us find ourselves in friendships and relationships with our family members that have existed for a long time, and there is no sign that the harvest is ripe there. And it's difficult, isn't it? What do you do? And I think the answer is that you go from there into the harvest field, into somewhere else, uh, where the purpose is not to make friends, though the good news is that Jesus' strategy does involve finding people who like you. The purpose is to find people who want to know, who want to know Jesus. I was quite encouraged by Daniel McGuinness's uh, seminar about Paul's missionary journeys. He was asking the question, how did Paul decide where to go? And he said, uh, the first stop for Paul and Barnabas when they were commissioned by the church in Antioch was Cyprus. Why Cyprus? Well, it was Barnabas's home. They probably said to each other, where should we go? <laughs> We've been commissioned to go and take the gospel. Where should we go? And Barnabas says, well, why don't we go to my family? So they went to Barnabas's family. And the mission was successful in Cyprus, but there's no reference to Barnabas's family receiving the gospel. Maybe that was just the base for reaching out. So maybe we should just relax a little bit with our family and friends. Yes, keep praying for them, but take the pressure off those relationships. And uh, then ask, so where is the harvest, Lord? Where is the harvest? I had a picture of bees going around looking for nectar. You know, they, they go from flower to flower. Some flowers, they, they, they just are there for a second. Other flowers, they stay for a long time. Harvest is not just hard work, though it is also joy. The disciples returned full of joy. And Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, Praise to his Father. The psalmist says, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Thirdly, the harvest begins with prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I've always thought this is a rather strange prayer. Um, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers, and then you go. But it is about seeing that there is a harvest, first of all. I think you've got to believe that there are people out there 
who want to know. If you don't believe that, you won't do anything. So first believing, then seeing the urgency for reaping and then praying for the workers and being willing to be the answer to your own prayer. You probably know I lead um, city prayer, which is bringing Christians across the churches together to, to pray in the city. We gather around three simple banners, Christ Church United, God's power released, and our city blessed. And I felt for some time, it's okay doing it across the city, but what about my neighbors? And um, through city prayer, I met another uh, Christian couple who lived just across the road to us. And so we said, well, why don't we, why, why don't we have our neighborhood prayer once a month? We'll follow the same pattern and, and pray for our neighbors. So we've, we've, we've met three times, once a month, just for an hour. There are nine of us from five different churches. And we pray for unity. We pray for God's power to be released. And we pray for our neighborhood to be blessed. The problem with that is that it can't just end in prayer. And I've, I've felt a lot more exercised about my neighbors as a result. Because when you start praying, you have to be prepared to be the answer to your prayer, don't you? So it begins with prayer. And there is a clear strategy for reaping the harvest here in this chapter. This is a strategy that we see in the ministry of Jesus we see the same pattern in the Acts of the Apostles, and I believe it's a strategy that we can implement too. So let's look at some features of that. Firstly, don't go alone, but still go vulnerably. Jesus sends out his disciples in pairs. I think very often we find it so difficult to share our faith because we feel I'm the only one in this particular situation. And it feels, it feels like a great weight of responsibility that maybe a work colleague or maybe a member of our family is attached by a very thin thread to the gospel through us, and we're the only ones. So maybe we should make it our first prayer, well, who else is there, Lord? Who else is there in my workplace? Who else is there in my neighborhood? Who else is there in my wider family? So that I'm not alone. Don't go alone. But go vulnerably. Go, I am sending you out like lambs amongst wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. I have a very dear friend, Alad, and uh, yesterday his daughter was married. This is her wedding. But Alad's wife died last October. So you can imagine, it's been a very emotional time. He came around and had uh, tea with me on on. Monday, and we were chatting about him getting his suit. And he went to get a suit and decided on the suit, and he was just dithering about the tie. And the shop assistant said to him, um, oh, well, what's, what will the mother of the bride be wearing? And Ali just started crying. And the shop assistant started crying. And he spent an hour and a half sharing his faith with her because he was vulnerable. It's vulnerability that builds the bridges. And Jesus sends out his disciples vulnerably like lambs among wolves. Then he goes on to say, when you enter a house, 
when you enter a house, bring peace. It's interesting, he says, when you enter a house and then when you enter a town. It's interesting that it's that order, but I think what he's saying is you, you, you go firstly to build personal relationships. And when you build personal relationships, bring peace to those relationships. Peace and blessing. Speak peace to people. Peace over them. Speak blessing into their lives. I know a number of you are involved in sparklers here, and we've gone on quite a journey with sparklers from being a little bit hesitant about even having anything Christian to where we are now. And I was listening in on, on Wednesday, and Rich welcomed everyone. Welcome, everybody, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> God bless you. And he, Rich just speaks blessing over people, and, and it's a beautiful thing. And I think what Jesus is saying is, in your relationships, are you speaking blessing? Are you speaking peace over them? Is that what they hear from you? And then he goes on to say, well, when you enter a town, when you enter a town, he talks about healing. Bring healing to groups and communities. When you enter a town or are welcome to eat what is offered to you, heal those who are ill and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So in your social circle, you may not firstly be known as the Christian, but you may be known as the person who offers to pray for healing. When we are spending a lot of time praying for our brothers and sisters in Burkina Faso at the moment, when I was out there four years ago, I was with a group of guys and they were discussing a missionary strategy to a particular area and they were talking about various options. And one guy said, look, it's obvious. We go into the village, we ask them to bring out all the sick people, we heal them, and then we tell them about Jesus. It's exactly this. And you say, well, I don't see people healed. Well, do you actually pray for people to be healed? Because if we don't do that, we're not going to see people healed. So when you enter a town, a group, a community, bring healing. And he, and he says, eat whatever is put before you. I think uh, Luke was obviously writing in the context of developments in the, in the wider church, where there's a lot of talk about what you should eat, particularly when you go into Gentile territory. And he's really echoing the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, where, who says, eat anything sold in a meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you. It's exactly the same phrase. Without raising questions of conscience. The point is that you're there to establish relationship, not to create barriers of conscience. And I think sometimes we as Christians, we're so pretty that we go into situations and that's what we bring with us. I love the story of Pete Shaw, who's a curate at St. John's Bilbra. Uh, he was a curate at Woolerton and was asked to go into Bilbra and to revitalize the church. And so he started going from Woolerton to Bilbra to build relationships. And he went to the pub. And a group of guys in the pub befriended him. And they thought it was quite funny having a vicar as part of their, their group. And they invited him on a booze cruise to Spain. And he went. And those, pe those men are, are people of peace in his community now that he's there in Bilbra. 
So don't raise scruples. You're there to build relationship. Fourthly, here, now this is good news. You don't have to keep banging your head against a brick wall. Notice what Jesus says. If they don't listen to you, move on. Move on. It's okay. It's not failure. Just move on. When you're in the harvest looking for a right person, the person of peace, if you find them, that's great. If you don't, move on. Finally, he gives us some reality checks. The first is this. A person's reaction, good or bad, is not necessarily a reaction to you. It's a reaction to Jesus. Don't take it personally. Don't be embarrassed. It's okay. Whoever listens to you, listens to me, says Jesus. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Secondly, success or otherwise is not the big issue. The important thing is that you are on heaven's electoral roll. Your name is written in heaven. That's the thing that matters. So just give it a go. And thirdly, there is a mystery involved in this. There's a mystery of revelation. Jesus says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And you will, like me, have been with many people who understand Christianity conceptually, but don't see it. And we, I do believe we need to be praying for revelation. It's, it's a divine thing. It's not an intellectual matter. It's a divine thing. So there we go. Just a summary then. There is a harvest. There is a harvest to be reaped. The harvest is both hard work and great joy. It begins with prayer, with you possibly being the answer to that prayer. And there is a clear strategy for reaping the harvest. Join with others Build personal relationships, peace and blessing on people. In groups and communities, offer prayer for healing. Be an instrument of healing. You don't have to persist with people who are not interested. And just keep real. Make the main thing the main thing. So may God help us and guide us and equip us and uh, open our eyes to see the harvest. Amen. Let's pray.